good. Well, let's, um, if you want, you can turn in your Bibles to John 14. We'll be there here pretty soon. Um, but I want to give an introduction to what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We will have a break right in between when Marcus and Star Ellington from our district get here. You will absolutely love Marcus and Star. If you have not met them yet, uh, their, their joy is just contagious and infectious, and their love for our next generation uh, is infectious and contagious as well. And not like the coronavirus, which we're not scared of, but, uh, you know, it's a different kind of infectious and 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 contagious that they have. So Jesus uh, used the phrase, I am, on many occasions, and that had a very deep meaning. When he said, I am, uh, in the original language, he was, he was saying that he was God, that he is God. And so the, the, the readers at this time would have understood that. And um, as we get along in this and we uh, began to open up some of the other stories. There's, if you remember the moment when the guards came to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, I am. They were looking for Jesus, and he said, I am. And the, the scripture, I think it's in John, says that they kind of fell back at that moment because of the power that was within that. There is power in the great I am. There is power that is in the name of Jesus. He, he is power. Uh, he is the Son of God. He is God. Um, well, Throughout this year, our focus is that Jesus Christ is the soon-coming King. And so we greatly anticipate the return of Jesus so that, uh, yes, we want to see those that have gone on before us who've died and who are now with Christ. We want to see those people. But more importantly, that we would see Jesus, that we would understand who he is. And um, so we're, we're going through that. The four-square theme, they've called it compelled by Jesus. There's a compelling that when we are drawn to Jesus that we want to tell other people about him as well. And um, I use this uh, example just on one-on-one things, but um, there's Allison will occasionally, I follow her on Instagram. We can hashtag her later. But um, she has a way of on her Instagram story sharing her devotional. Why does she do that? Well, she's in high school at Mooresville High, and she is sharing her faith in, in an environment that Otherwise, people don't hear the gospel message. And so I think it's like every day or at least every other day, Allison's got on there what God is speaking to her about. There's a compelling that Jesus has given to all of us to share the good news. And so we're compelled by Jesus. And, and so how we've broken that down for abundant life is may we see Jesus clearly. So we're going to take the next few weeks to see Jesus even more clearly. Um, two weeks ago, I was in California, as you all are, are, all are aware I was out there, and so on a lunch break, we were able to go to uh, Angelus Temple is the original church that Amy Simple started in California back in 1923, I think it was. Um, anyway, th from there, she started a Bible college in 1925, and that's where our meetings were held in this old historical building. Well, in between the two, what was that? Oh, I thought somebody was correcting the date. Um, right in between all of that is the original house that Amy had built so that her intent was for her to live in that house. And then the Bible college started, but as soon as it started, it was not large enough. And this is a two-story house. It was not large enough to hold all the students, so that's why they had to build the college. So then she moves back into her house, but then all of a sudden, some people are, who are homeless, they don't have a place to stay, so she invites them back into the house. So she lived there off and on, uh, depending on the ministry things that were happening. Anyway, we, we were able to take a quick 30-minute tour of this house and to see uh, just some of the... Um, 
historical things that were in the house. Her, I sent Miss Vicky a picture of the first organ. It was a traveling organ that was only like this big that she was able to play at the different meetings that she had. They have a case of leg braces and crutches and body braces where uh, there would be healing services. She would pray for people. The power of God would fall and they would immediately come out of all of their braces because they were healed because of the power of Jesus. Um, One of the things that was on there that I want to kind of tie into this message was her uh, pulpit that was built for her to preach behind. And uh, we have a couple pictures of that. The first picture, um, by the way, a group of gypsies built this for her. They were kind of traveling around. And so this is her pulpit, um, which is obviously very decorative, and they just, they, they loved the ministry that she had, that she was preaching Jesus, and so they came and presented this very, and this picture doesn't do it justice, very uh, decorative wood, intricate carvings and everything that is on there, but what spoke to me the most was the back of this pulpit, which was always a reminder of her, and if you can't see it, it says, we would see Jesus. Larry, I need one of those. (laughs) We would see Jesus as a reminder that that's why we do what we do. It's not so much to put on a good show. I have no desire. We have no desire to put on a good show, but that we would see Jesus in every service that we have, um, every interaction that we have with each other, and that we show other people who he is. And so that's where this whole thing came from. Jesus has revealed himself to us and wants, he wants us to see him clearly. And so as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday, we're going to look at how Jesus revealed himself in, in his own words to the world. Um, and so our theme kind of verse that we're going through is out of John chapter uh, 14, uh, verse 6. And um, we'll read a little bit more in here in just a few moments. But that verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you are going somewhere on a destination, there's many ways you can get there. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, usually there's many ways that you can get there. Matt and I have, the, Pastor Matt and I have this little thing that if we're, if we're going somewhere and I'm behind him or he's behind me, the goal is that we're going to beat the other person. And so I have the best shortcut, so I'm going to beat him. But he gets all the lights, so he ends up beating me. We go different directions to end up in the same place. And I don't know what they're... I'm going to say I'm probably leading that right now. I don't know if that's true or not, but we're going to, I have the microphone, so we're going to go with I'm leading that when we're racing. And we are in NASCAR country, after all. Um, but you want to see who has the best, um, best shortcut, but you know, if we're going to lunch or whatever, wherever we're going, there's one way to get there. Or there's multiple ways to get to that one destination, I think last year I told the story on the way to the men's retreat. My car was leading. Luke's car, being the rookie car on the way to the beach, thought that he was going to beat the seasoned professional, the old guy. And so Luke goes to pull up beside of me, and he's like, I'm going to pass him before the next exit so I can beat him to the hotel, because we weren't very far away. So interestingly, a quarter mile up the road was our exit, So Luke goes to pass me, and I speed up so that he's mirroring us, and he's waving and he's laughing, and we're waving as we're veering off onto the right exit. (laughs) We won. (laughs) And we got there probably about uh, three hours ahead of them. It was probably only 20 minutes ahead of them. But Jesus said this, there is only one way to the Father. There's no shortcuts. There's no alternatives. 
There's only one way to the Father. Let's back up to verse 1 as we look in chapter 14 of uh, the book of John here. He says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5, no, we don't, Lord, Thomas says. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The reality is, when we have an understanding who Jesus is, we know how to get to the Father. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. I am the way to get to the Father. I am the truth. You read the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He tells you the truth of who God is. And he is eternal life. That is who he is. We read this at our funeral services because it inspires hope within the believer that we will see our Father. We will see Jesus uh, in, in all of the process of this. So I want to look at a couple things, actually three things about Jesus, um, just as an encouragement today and things that he said about himself um, and things that the Word of God says. The first thing is, Jesus came to this earth to save you. That's the reason he came. So that we would have relationship with our Heavenly Father, you, individually. This is, this is an individual call that's here. Yes, collectively we will see Jesus, but he came for you. That is why Jesus came, to die on the cross for our sins. See, Jesus has always existed. He didn't just begin, we know this, right? Jesus didn't just start existing when he came as a baby. He was, he was at creation. All things, the Bible tells us that all things were created through him. And so we understand that. But he left heaven to save you. There are three significant events in history, and you can write these down if you want. I don't have them highlighted for the screen, but... Three significant events in history. First of all, the Father came. We see this in the book of Genesis. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. And he spent time with them. But they ended up ultimately rejecting him. It wasn't that the Father never came. He came. But man rejected that through their sin. And that, that created a problem. So then, the Father had an idea. After several years, 100 years... He presented his son, Jesus, and then Jesus came. So here's the second significant event in history. The father came, first of all, then Jesus came. Well, the people, they rejected Jesus, didn't they? On Wednesday nights, we've been going through um, the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we've seen recently, especially how the religious leaders, they rejected Jesus. And of course, the religious leaders rejecting Jesus, the people loved him. But they eventually had an influence over the people to where at the end of, uh, of, of the Gospels, as we're reading, they led the people to say, crucify him, right? The people were all, we want this Jesus because he's doing mighty miracles. He's raising people from the dead. He's healing our blind eyes. He's, he's curing our diseases. But man rejected that relationship. Then the Holy Spirit came. And the Father and Jesus, they sent the Holy Spirit. And the relationship was restored. There's the Holy Spirit who is within us, 
who draws us, who compels us, who gives us the spirit to cry out, Abba, Father. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Just even today as we're singing and um, you know, worshiping Jesus and our thoughts are directed to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is speaking to each and every one of us, saying, lift your hands before the Lord, quietly sing to the Lord, loudly sing to the Lord, give him your, everything that you are, give him all the issues that you face this week and this whole relationship, concentrate on who Jesus is and that was the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit was to bring us and to direct us to Jesus. God lives in us. God lives in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, you gave your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit entered at that moment. Relationship was restored. So again, the three significant events in history is when the Father came, when Jesus came, and when the Holy Spirit came. The reality of Christianity is this. We are not good. There's something about the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, why were the Ten Commandments given? It was to show the people of Israel that they were not measuring up at all to the standards. You know, before the Ten Commandments came, uh, there was no qualifier of really what sin was. Disobedience was sin. We know that Adam and Eve disobeyed. But So how are we supposed to obey God without this list of things? And so God introduced at that moment um, the Ten Commandments to the, the people and it, and it exposed the fact that they were not good. Um, was it? I think it was Kevin and I. We were talking about that this morning. How many times Moses um, began to plead with God because the people were totally against the things of God, and Moses was like, "Please don't destroy the people today." <laughs> and God relented because of His goodness, right? But the people, they they weren't. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? He is the one who now comes to convict the world of sin and point us toward righteousness. So we have Jesus now who is interceding for us to the Father. And so it doesn't have to be a person like Moses who is interceding on behalf of the people because Jesus is doing that. The Holy Spirit is doing that. He is the one who is praying. So points to the fact that we are not good. Um, and, and if we live with the idea that we are good, then we don't need a Savior. If I'm good, why do I need a Savior? And we are encouraged that we must be reborn and we must be renewed. So Jesus came to the earth to save you. Jesus came to the earth to save me. So I'm very thankful for that. Here's another, another thing, number two. Jesus left earth so that we could be empowered. This is another part of the, the second, well, it is the second thing that we're talking about, but what we're looking at through this whole year is that we are compelled to go to the world. Who compels us to go? The Holy Spirit. He compels us to go, to proclaim, to preach Jesus. He is the one who says, don't worry about what the other students say when you post your devotional. On Instagram. Don't worry about what the co-workers are going to say when you bow your head in prayer at the lunch table. We are compelled to go. So uh, Jesus left earth so that we could be empowered. He sent the Holy Spirit when he left. He, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit when he left to enable us to continue this work. Look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Drop down just a little bit here. 
Jesus says, uh, this is out of the, the King James here, most assuredly I say to you. There's something about that phrase, most assuredly, that Jesus has. New, I think New, Living's, New Living says, I tell you the truth. But in New King James, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. See, there's something that Jesus did when he left this earth. He wanted us to do greater works than he did. And as you read at the end, I think the last verse uh, in the book of John that says, if, if we were to record all the works that Jesus did, I suppose the world could not contain the books of everything that Jesus did. But yet he sent his Holy Spirit so that you and I, as we are compelled to go, have power to go. A few years ago, we were talking about missions and why is it that we see so many miracles um, that happen on the mission field. And we came to an agreement that the reason for that is when we go on the mission field, we are prayed up. We're expecting and we give a lot of opportunity. Translate that into our life today. Every day, be prayed up. Be expecting. You know, you may pray for 50 people and two people get healed. Now, that doesn't sound like a staggering statistic, does it? But what if that statistic just said, you know what, I've been praying this month, and two people were healed in Jesus' name. That's two more people that weren't healed. See, our goal is to not be responsible for the work that God does. Our goal is to be responsible to be obedient to his call. We don't know when the Lord is going to heal, but he says this, pray the prayer of faith lay hands on the sick. And so we do that and we make opportunities. So as we go to these different countries, as we go to the different ministries uh, to crown colony and they're laying hands on the sick, we're just giving opportunity. So here's what I want to encourage you in. Just give opportunity. Be bold in giving opportunity for people to receive Jesus. There are three, three baptisms as well. There's kind of like this whole three thing today that's kind of making a an idea here. First of all, you were baptized into salvation. You were baptized into Christ. That was a baptism that happened. You received him as your Lord and Savior. Then shortly after that, hopefully, you were baptized in water, which we're going to, I'm going to be announcing uh, next couple weeks when we're going to do that. Maybe, man, I think Easter Sunday would be a great time to do a water baptism again this year. If you've never been baptized in water, uh, is it necessary for salvation? No. Does Jesus command it? Yes, he does. So I want to give you an opportunity, if you have not been baptized in water, to say, I am dying to the old man, the old sinful person that I used to be, and that's going down underwater, and I'm being raised to new life in Christ. Put to death the old man, raised to new life as the new man or the new person. So water baptism is very important. And then thirdly is Holy Spirit baptism. We've talked about that. That's where we are empowered. So there's, there's these three baptisms. And so Jesus, again, we're talking about Jesus left the earth so that we could be empowered. You were saved. You were water baptized. And I want to encourage you, be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So that you will begin to see uh, just the power flowing, the power of God flowing through your life. What causes us to be witnesses for Jesus? What will fill this place with lost people? Now, several years ago, my wife made this statement. I had written it down. And she said, only a passion 
for who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives will cause us to have a deep drive to bring in the lost. Only a passion for who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Just take a moment, real quick. Think about what Jesus has done for you. That passion for who he is and what he has done will cause us to have a deep drive to bring in the lost. Because Jesus set me free and I want other people to experience freedom. I think that's why we see so many people who have come off of um, different dependencies on narcotics or alcohol or, you know, where it's... uh, Uh, where it has become a stronghold in their life, when people come off of that, they want other people to find the same freedom, and so they'll go for it. They'll begin to tell people about how Jesus set them free because they know what it is to have been trapped by that. Develop such a deeper passion for the Lord. This is my prayer, that I develop even more of a deeper passion for the Lord and that I see Him every day, and and it reminds me of the fact that what I have come from and what he has brought me out of, that I want other people to see that same freedom. Because he, is, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. There is nothing like experiencing freedom when you've been in bondage. There's nothing like it. The Holy Spirit is working in you and burning within you, and that will overflow to the lost. I forgot which prophet it was right now. Was it Jeremiah who said, his word is like a fire that is shut up in my bones? Um, I forgot which prophet that was, but it was one of those prophets who said that. His word is like a fire that is shut up in my bones, and at some point, that's got to be released. That's got to come out. May the Holy Spirit fill us all so much with an understanding of Jesus that we just cannot contain it. That we cannot contain it. Being filled is not a one-time experience. This passion is kept alive by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And Jesus is revealed in and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Will you show us Jesus, the fullness that he has? Number three, this ties into the whole theme of the year. Jesus is coming back to earth to reign with you. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We're going to be getting to that in the last week of um, our Easter series. 
There is no other reason, if there is no other reason to reach the lost at this point, that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. He is. I, I, and we say that like every year, don't we? You know what? We are one year. We are one day. We are one minute closer to Jesus' return. Amen. We are. And here's the reality. We don't know when our last moment is. We don't know when our neighbor, our coworker, our family member, we don't know when their, their last moment is. We don't. We have no idea. I think that, uh, you know, recent current events, you hear, um, was it a month or two ago, when the, the social media just went crazy when Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter accident, and you saw so many people saying, hug your loved ones, love, your, love, love your, the people that God has given you because you never know. And there's so much truth that is in that, but even deeper than loving and hugging on your loved ones because you never know, the reality is, we have to give people the opportunity to come to Jesus because for the believer, when we die, we will see our loved ones who are in Christ. And so it's so important that we have a relationship with Jesus and to at least tell the people that we care deeply about, that we love, even those that may be acquaintances, the fact of who Jesus is. We must be compelled. And the way, again, that we are compelled goes back to this point that we have to have a clear understanding of who Jesus is. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father. There's no other way to heaven. No other way. There is a reality of death. I don't want to belate, hold on to this point too long linger on this point too long. There's reality to that. We just saw that in my family, Stasha's family, uh, with her dad this week. There is a reality of heaven and hell. I think it was last week we came from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 where it says if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. We understand that. Jesus is coming back to reign. We have an opportunity to reign with Jesus. Here, as it says in Scripture, we have that opportunity. I want to encourage you. Let your love for Jesus deepen. Yeah. He's coming back to reign with you. There's the reality that those that you love will not make heaven, but you have been empowered to reach them. Why did God place you here on this earth? So that you could reach those that the rest of us can't. That's the whole reason that's a big responsibility, isn't it? That God has called you. <clears throat> Often we pray, Lord, will you send someone? Yeah. You're that someone. Now, there may be people that you can't reach, right? There may be because of distance, because of a relationship that just didn't go right. And of course we pray. We pray this too, Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Remember that story where, where Jesus said, the, the fields are ripe with harvest. Pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers. This summer, people are going to Alaska. There are laborers going forth into this, even though it's the United States of America, and it's kind of off, not the United part, right? Um, there's this whole section that is very few people are believers there. Very few. We're going to Ireland. Very few people. George Klein shared with us that in Europe, um, is it one in every 2,000 people are believers? We're going to un 
essentially unreached people groups. They're not poor. They're not in poverty necessarily, but in spirit they are. They don't know Jesus. And so what we're building up to, what Dean's going to be leading these uh, ministry teams into is this. Develop such a passion for Jesus that when we get to these locations, you know, some of the places that we're going, we can't preach Jesus, like standing out on a street corner and preaching Jesus. But there's something about the Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us that will draw people. Amen. And a conversation begins to happen. And this is my belief, especially for short term, whether it's foreign or whether it's even here at Crown Colony. You know, there could be someone that receives Jesus at Crown Colony who is so empowered by the Holy Spirit that they are the ones that lead the rest of the residents to Jesus. Amen. We're just the ones who get there to facilitate. There could be a person at your workplace that you lead to Jesus that all of a sudden goes back to their neighborhood that maybe is another spark in a different department at your job, in your neighborhood, within your family. We never know. You hear the story of Billy Graham. It was a very small uh, church that the pastor led Billy Graham to the Lord, and then he ends up having this worldwide ministry. You never know. I want to close with this point today. Um, it's out of the Message Bible, since Second uh, Corinthians 2, and um, just a little bit different of a, of a wording, and I, I like the way it read. So 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17, it says this, In the Messiah, or in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Think about that. Christ is leading us in a victory parade. Why is that? What does that look like? Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Through us. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench from a rotting corpse. Boy, that's a contrast, isn't it? This is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? No. But... At least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets to sell it cheap. Church, we've got to preach the gospel. Before I finish reading that, I want to stop right there for a moment. I, Thursday, we have our Mooresville pastors group that gets together. Um, just different pastors from around Mooresville will get together. And um, represented there is Dr. Jackson. Uh, he came and did a presentation here a couple months ago, and just a very wise, wise man of God, Dr. Jackson is. And there were a couple of, Roy Young was there, he's a pastor, and he's ministered for a long time. And I, I was the youngest person at this meeting, eh, this time. Mm. Um, but the wisdom that was coming from those guys was so simple and profound. And they kept saying, we just need to preach Jesus. If we could just preach the gospel. It's not all of our fancy stuff that we do. It's not the latest this, that, and the other. It's not all, and those, there's nothing wrong with having things that, you know, add to the service and all of these type of things. 
But nothing is more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have eloquent words. You just preach the fact that Jesus Christ is God's son and he wants you to have relationship with the Father. So he came. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that whoever, whoever would believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. You can ask people some simple questions. Why are you here and what is your purpose? Why are we here? Just because one day there was this great big explosion and life evolved and here we are and then we die? With as sophisticated as everything is, I'm told that explosions normally destroy things, not create things, right? I've never seen an explosion, explosion create anything. You have been placed here for a purpose. No, so is anyone competent to take on this message? No, but at least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets to sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence when we speak. There's your power. God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and say it as honestly as we can. There's a, there's a world that is dying and going to hell. Hell is a reality. Separation from God is a reality. And what this is saying here, we get this message straight from God and we, we just say it as honestly as we can. And from there we allow the Holy Spirit, He has taken over at that point, but we trust that the heart has been softened and that there is a response to accept Jesus. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have to speak fancy words. You hear how much I stumble when I'm preaching? <laughs> I don't always have eloquent words. We don't always have eloquent words. We just preach Jesus. What has he done in your life? What has he done that has set you free? This is going to go back a few years to a message series that we have. Tell your story. Just tell your story of what Jesus has done and what the power of the gospel has done in your life. You will be welcomed and embraced by those who do choose Christ. Yes, there will be those who think you stink. little side note here. Be sure whenever you're talking to people, you're have the whole hygiene thing taken care of, right? But people will think you stink because of the message. It says it right here. To some people, it will be more like the stench from a rotting corpse. Maybe you've experienced that before. Don't let that stop you. More importantly, sharing your faith with the lost will cause you to stand in the presence of Christ and face to face with the Father. Did you catch that last thing? We stand in Christ's presence when we speak and God looks us in the face. You have the power of God when you're preaching the gospel. You have the power of God when you're telling your story about who Jesus is. What can man do to me? Yeah, what can man do to me? He is the only way, the only truth, and he is the life.